Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Dogfighting cows in that healer won't listen. Lazy old horse tries to bluff you, he's pissing. Worn out bull keeps a hunting brush. Cows are trying to string, but everyone's in a rush. And you're cowboying, just cowboying, you're cowboying. Goes for you, dog. You catch her instead, and you're cowboying, just cowboying, you're cowboying, just cowboying today. Didn't tighten up for such a little sick calf. Instead of losing your mind, you just rear back and laugh. Some days are great, lots of romance. You wouldn't change a thing even if you had the chance. Cause you're cowboying, just cowboying, you're cowboying, just cowboying today. Mr. Gary McMahon, 
and he is going to be joining us for the Campfire Cafe today. Let's take a listen to one of his great songs from his CD, Going My Way. This actually is a great point, and I think you folks are going to love it. But let's listen to Chaps by Gary McMahon, and when we come back, we'll be talking with Gary today on the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. This is to Mr. Ralph Lorne, 505 Fifth Avenue, New York City. I seen on the TV, Mr. Lorne, that you have a men's cologne you call Chaps. Man, it's probably a manly scent, or you wouldn't have called it that. Myself, I never use the stuff, and this may sound a little harsh, but I think men use cologne to hide the fact they have a wash. So I can't really comment on the product, though I'm sure it smells just fine. It's the way you say the name Chaps that chaps my cowboy behind. You see, the name is derived from the Spanish word chaparajos, which in turn gets its name from the word chaparral, which again in Spanish means a dense thicket of thorny brush and trees which all manner of cowboys have ridden through for centuries. Thus needing protection for their legs, these chaparajos were fashioned from cowhide and are the leather leggings cowboys wear that come without the backside. Then us gringos got a hold of the word and shortened chaparajos to shaps. Much the same way we took the word tapadero and condensed it to taps. So the CH sound is really pronounced with an SH sound, you see, and to an old cowboy that's worn shaps all his life, it seems a travesty that you would use a cowboy's manly image to sell your fancy smell to the herd and never even take the time to learn how to say the word. Because the truth is, Mr. Lauren, even though I'd like to console you, anyone who says chaps for shaps, don't know Chip from Chinola. <laughs> uh, that is Chaps, and that is from Going My Way. Mr. Gary McMahon is our guest. Gary is known for his award-winning songs, his captivating stories, uproarious humor, and national championship yodeling. His songs have been recorded by artists such as Garth Brooks, Ian Tyson, Chris Ledoux, Riders in the Sky, Dave Stamey, Junie Fisher, and many more. His songs, stories, and poems embody what many believe to be the heart of the New West. The late Chris Ledoux had this to say about Gary. Gary is our cowboy, Bob Dylan. He is a unique talent and my friend. Please welcome to the show our friend, Mr. Gary McMahon. Hey, Gary. How are you, Gary? I, I always thought you had a beautiful name. I'd, I'll have to agree with you. I'll have to agree. Yeah. I kind of like yours, too. I kind of yeah. like yours, too. But uh, anyway, we've got a lot to talk about today. And uh, one thing that a lot of folks may not be aware of is the fact that you actually started the Colorado Cowboy Poetry Gathering. So let's talk a little bit about how that came to be and what folks can see next week at the Colorado Cowboy Poetry Gathering. All right. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, we have in Denver, we have an international event there every January, and it's the National Western Stock Show. And uh, 
if you you know win at the National Western Stock Show, people want to buy your cattle and and uh, they want your bulls, they want your heifers, uh, the whole deal. So it's a it's a big deal for cattle people. And uh, I was raised on it. My dad, you know, I told you uh, in the earlier show about how he was a cattle trucker, and we knew all these guys, and we hauled a bunch of cattle to the National Western Stock Show every year, these carload lots of feeder cattle and bulls and heifers and whatnot. So the place is just crawling with cowboys, and then it creates this kind of Western atmosphere. Oh, they drive a bunch of longheads, uh, long uh, longhorns down the street, and, uh, you know, everybody puts on a cowboy hat, even the wannabes, and everybody goes <laughs> The Western Stock Show, and we thought that would be a perfect time to have a Colorado Cowboy Poetry Gathering <clears throat> in town, and then people from the Stock Show would uh, would come to see the gathering as well, thinking that people would be interested in their heritage, that the actual cowboys and cowgirls out there would be interested in the heritage of uh the, uh, of themselves, right? <clears throat> Didn't turn out to be the case. Oh no! Uh, most no. Uh, most people that were at the stock show were at the stock show. That's a serious deal. It's serious as a heart attack or cancer. You know, you you have to show good at the stock show to be able to uh, sell your cattle. So they're they're all concentrating on that. And the cowboys that do get dragged to these cowboy poetry gatherings usually got dragged there by the ladies kicking and <laughs> and uh, at at the end of the gathering, then they're the ones up there wanting to buy the books and the tapes and all that kind of stuff. So it, it, we can convert them, but first we got to get them there. Right, and, right, right. We found out that. Uh, the stock show crowd really didn't want to go to a cowboy poetry gathering. It was too uh, too artsy, I guess. And, but the Denver crowd was all into it because uh, Denver, even though it kind of wants to be, you know, as uppity as it can be, it still has the cowboy roots, and everybody's just sort of proud of them. They're just they just don't admit it very much. <laughs> And so the people from Colorado and Denver actually supported those first gatherings. Uh, the way they got started was uh, me and Vess Quinlan had that bright idea, you know, to have it during the National Western Stock Show. And uh, we went to the state folklorist, and her name was B. Roeder, uh, a wonderful gal. And uh, <clears throat> she agreed with us and chimed right in and, and she got the Arvada Center uh, committed to putting them together, and B actually did the work of it. Vest mm-hmm. and I just had the idea. We, if you don't mind the pun, we put a B in B's bonnet and uh, <laughs> and got it going. And uh, then uh, B put together the staff and everything, you know, uh, to run one, which is a monumental task. Right. And the, that we didn't do any of the work for at all. Uh, But uh, those first gatherings, uh, the magic of them was that, 
you know, I've been singing these cowboy songs for probably 20 years before the first cowboy poetry gathering came along there in Elko. And right. it was it was dead. The Sons of the Pioneers, you know, they were playing on a <clears throat> little ranch down there in Arizona. And, and as far as the music goes, it was dead. There was nobody recording anything until Chris Ledoux started recording some cowboy songs there in Nashville. And he was singing them out. Uh, he was selling these albums out of the back of his truck, you know, when he and his brother Mike would go to these rodeos. And he was... The only one I knew of, I'm sure there were others out in the West who were, you know, kicking around singing uh, cowboy songs, but uh, Chris was the only visible one. And right. So he started recording some of my songs, and that's the only luck I had in Nashville. <laughs> was Chris doing those. And then Ian Tyson came down there and was looking for a deal, you know, and I told you the story about how we met up. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, so Ian was down there, too, and we were all just kind of staring at each other going, we know there's an audience for these songs. Uh, you know, the surely the cowboy hasn't died yet, you know, in people's minds, but we didn't know where it was. And so we were just kind of floundering around in the dark until these cowboy poetry gatherings came along. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, I... I saw people out there that were mouthing the words to my songs. I, they didn't know me. I didn't know them. But they'd heard them off, a, a, you know, a somebody's album. The old Starlight Ramblers used to be a big band out here in Colorado, and they did about a dozen of my songs. And uh, people knew those songs from those albums, but they didn't know who I was. And, and so right. it was kind of, that's, that's where I kind of found my audience. But, uh, you know, it was wonderful to see him take off, and we hired a bunch of these cowboy poets that were out and about at that time, and there were guys like Howard Parker and Sonny Hancock and and some of these old dyed-in-the-wool cowboy poets, and then there was a lot of reciters that were doing some of the great old stuff that I'd frankly never heard of until I got into this, like Bruce Kiscadden. Um, right. You know, and Badger Clark and uh, S. Omar Barker, uh, all these wonderful cowboy uh, poets that, you know, I might have read a poem once or twice in the Fence Post magazine or some ag rag or something like that. That's the only place that you used to find cowboy poetry. And uh, uh, so I was a little bit familiar with them, but not really until these gatherings came along. And then after the gatherings came along, it was just this revelation of of all this Western culture and stuff. And, you know, it's something we have to uh, – we are constantly trying to teach the Western people, I mean the cowboys and the cowgirls out there, that they actually do have this heritage. And, right. uh, you know, as soon as they get it, then you can't keep them away from it. They love it, but mm-hmm. it's just—it's just getting them there. And uh, bless the hearts of all the people in Denver who come because they get it. You know, they—they—they they, they just loved it from the the get go, and they're the ones that put the warm butts in the seats and made these things go to begin with. And now, now the Colorado gathering—you know—it's uh, thirty years old. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
and I'm the wise old man that had the idea, you know. So they got to have me on the show, <laughs> whether they want to or not. Oh gosh! Well, now the Colorado Cowboy Poetry Gathering is held in Golden, Colorado, and the date for this year's event is January the seventeenth through the twentieth. But when and I and I I think that you're hosting some of the shows as well as performing. But what can people actually see when they come to a gathering? If anybody out there has uh, never been. Uh, well, it's going to be a thinking man's rodeo. Uh, you know, it's uh, all kinds of views on all kinds of Western stuff. So it's like vaudeville. It's uh, it's about as close to vaudeville as you're going to get. It's like everybody's got 10 or 15 minutes to do their songs or their story or their poem or whatever, and then it changes, and somebody else is up there. And I'm telling you, I'm warning you right now, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, they don't uh, they don't really, um, uh, how do I say, choose these talents. I mean, we have the good ones that we know can do it for sure, but right. there's all these new ones coming on. And some of them can be barroom blowhards, you know, uh, and just horrible. And others <laughs> of them can be barroom blowhards and really good at it. And they all have their own little, you know. So if you're bored with something, uh, stick around, you know, and that'll change. It's, it's going to change. Yeah, yeah, it's going to happen. So it isn't like 45-minute sets or hour sets of anything. Usually it's a round robin uh, of people up there, and you've got one, two, three, four, five people on a show on a 45-minute or 50-minute uh, show. And so you get a lot of different uh, people uh, there. And so it is like vaudeville, you know. Uh, and most of these folks have bring their own kind of charm as a thing, their own brand of wisdom. So what you come out of it with is a perspective. You get yeah. a good perspective on on so many things in life because they talk about anything. I mean, nobody limits anybody to anything. Uh, one of the things that just happens naturally is they're all clean because uh, these are Western audiences, and you just uh, – you know, you just can't go to cussing around a bunch of cowboys with their wives in the room and That's right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to give the website out if folks would like to check out the Colorado Cowboy Poetry Gathering, and that is coloradocowboygathering.com, coloradocowboygathering.com. And, again, that's on January the 17th through the 20th, and I believe that's next weekend. So uh, you definitely want to make it to that gathering. And, Gary, I'm going to take a break right here and play another one of your great songs. This is Colorado Blue, and I absolutely love this song. It is a great – you're going you're gonna to hear poetry. You're going to hear uh, music. It's going to be a great event in Colorado, in Golden, Colorado, this year. So let's take a listen to Gary's Colorado Blue and come back and talk more with, I think, one of the most fascinating guests I've had on the show, and that's Mr. Gary McMahon. Colorado Blue 
I'm glad to be anywhere With base a place I like the best On the chilly side of paradise In the great and grand old west And I'm a lucky boy That's where I'm from And that's where you can find me When it's all said and done Yes, and I've seen the green of Tennessee, the colored lights of the New York night. Stood in a red sunset on the beach in Texas in the moonlight. But nothing sets my spirit free, and no other color can do. Like the winds of Wyoming. And Colorado Blue See them old Rockies rising Straight up through the cool blue air Sip that cold wild water running down To make you feel like a grizzly bear And at sundown I sit and watch them gleam Close to glory, not even in a dream. One night by the campfire light, we cooked up some rainbow trout. But she left me down around Pagosa Springs with a hook still in my mouth. I remember the mountains. And girl there with the sun in her hair And Colorado blue in her eyes Isn't when I'm away from my native state And the dreams ain't coming true When lost and lonesome is my fate And it looks like I'm bound to lose Kiss the homesick misfit, sorry face, thrashing in his own shoes. Well, you can call that skinny cowpoke at the end of the bar. Colorado Blue That's Colorado Blue by Gary McMahon And it is from the CD by the same name, Colorado Blue And uh, Gary, tell us about the CD and and, uh, what was going on Uh, Well, uh, that was the first record I cut. I'd been in Nashville, you know, for about five years, and I'd given up on it and gone home. But this, uh, I had this little producer out of New York City that believed in what I was trying to do, and, and he took me to uh, all the A&R offices we could get into in New York and <clears throat> L.A. and Nashville, 
And there was a fellow by the name of Kevin Eggers, and he had the old poppy label. And he's the one that first signed Doc Watson. And wow. he also uh, first signed Townsend Sam. And they were on that old poppy label, and then that one went belly up, and he started a label called Tomato Records out of New York City. And there was four people on that label. There was me, Dick Gregory, Towns Van Sant, and Philip Glass. Wow, and a, an eclectic group. Oh, boy, I'm telling you. And uh, Towns and I used to do gigs for the label, you know, so we spent a little time <clears throat> gigging around uh, the East Coast. Uh, trying to sell this label, but this was back uh, when cowboy music was dead, you know, until the urban cowboy wave came along with John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John, you know, they had that movie, and it was such a big hit that uh, record companies thought, well, maybe people are taking an interest in uh, cowboy music again, and Kevin Uh thought, well, uh, you know, this would be a perfect time to take advantage of that if if it's going to be a wave coming along. And I just happen to know a cowboy singer that came through here six or eight months ago, you know, and he'd be perfect to do it with. So he sent me with this producer by the name of John Simon. <clears throat> and it all hinged on whether John would agree to do the project. Now, John had already done, if you look him up, if you Google him, you will be floored at the amount of people that he has been instrumental in putting forward. And I'm talking like Janis Joplin and Big Brother and the Holding Company, and he was the producer and, and piano player for the band, and John Hartford, and and I'm just nipping the tip of the iceberg here. I mean, John was a big-time producer. So he, uh, Kevin flew him out, him and his wife, out to Aspen, Colorado, and I was running this stable out there at the T-Lazy 7 guest ranch in Aspen, and I was running a bunch of horses, you know, and stuff, and and uh, put John on an old horse. He was scared to death, and I put him on old Mabel. I know, knew old Mabel wouldn't hurt him up there in the mountains, you know, and I put him on a horse and took him up to the Maroon Bells and back, and then we'd sit down in the bar of the ranch there. <clears throat> he had a piano down there, and I had my guitar, and I sang him a, bum- a bunch of my songs. And uh, he decided he was going to do this album. And he was just wow. fresh from doing the, the best little whorehouse in Texas, you know, that Dolly Parton thing that made oh, yeah. Broadway. Yeah. And uh, he, he had produced all that stuff. So he had all these great swing musicians from uh, uh, Texas up there already. And uh, so he, <clears throat> they asked me if I'd do it. And they're, you bet. So I quit my job at the T-Lazy 7, went back to New York, and we rehearsed with Artie and Happy Trom and Eric Weisberg up in Upper State New York for a little while. And then we went to the old A&M Studios in, uh, in New York City, which is now the set of Saturday Night Live. Oh, wow. I mean, nobody was sparing the horses on this deal, I'm telling you. So, yeah. And we did all this, and he was a great arranger as well as producer. So the the uh, the fiddles on it, you know, the strings on it are the New York Philharmonic with Harry Lukowski conducting. The the background vocals on it are the old Jordanaires, you know, Elvis's old 
right. vocal. Uh, the steel on it is Buddy Emmons. Uh, Eric Weisberg was playing um, the guitar and dobro on the thing. I mean, it was. Uh, I was just shaking my head. I I didn't. I couldn't believe I was lucky enough to fall in something like that. Wow. And, uh so anyway, the the they put the album together. The album came out. It got noticed by all the trades and stuff. And everybody says, "Oh, this is a this is a hit album. It's from John Simon, you know." And it was just going straight up through the charts. And uh, about that time, the record company went broke, and I mean they went broke, so broke. Oh no! Padlocked, uh, padlocked the warehouse to where everybody was clamoring for this album and couldn't get it. So oh, no. It, just, it died right there on the vine. And I was down in Memphis at the time on a radio tour, and I had enough gas to make it back to uh, Nashville. And I stayed on my girlfriend's couch in Ma- Nashville, and for about three weeks I just sort of stared at the wall and wondered what in the devil just happened. <laughs> you know? And then oh, I God. One of the labels there in Nashville, but it had already, you know, uh, once you've released one, they've already already been reviewed and stuff like that, and they can't get the momentum back, you know. So yeah. of course they they didn't want to do that, and so I eventually bought that album from Kevin for I think five thousand bucks, and you know it was kind of like a nickel on the dollar. Right. Right. And, and I bought it, and, and uh, you know, and then there was no place for me to go with it until the Cowboy Poetry Gatherings came along. And, wow. And uh, so, uh, you know, in the meantime, Chris was still out there. Chris Ledoux was still out there singing my songs, and, and he wasn't writing very much at the time because he was rodeoing really hard. He really wanted that world champion belt buckle, you know. Right, so right. He, he was rodeoing pretty hard, but once he quit rodeoing, then he started writing his own songs and stuff. But in the meantime, he relied on, uh, oh, me and some friends of mine, we were writing songs that, you know, he could do and would work uh, with what he was doing. And uh, But he wasn't a big deal back then. This was before, you know, uh, he and Garth Brooks got together and... Right. and he became a, a real, you know, a real big uh, star right. in his own right at that point. So wow. that, that's background on all that stuff, you know, leading up to the Cowboy Poetry Gatherings and how how this all started. And it's it's uh, it's a Cinderella tale. I I can't even believe I was so lucky to be in on it. Well, it, it's just got to be at the right place at the right time, don't you? Yeah, and you don't know where that place is. You never do. No, no. And no. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, you sort of stumbled around and fell in a pile of horse crap and then came up smelling like a rose. <laughs> uh, you did. You did. Well, I, Gary, I want to get to another song. And I'm going to skip around just a little bit, but uh, this song is the first Cowboy song. And there's an interesting story behind this one. You want to tell us that one? Oh, yes. Um, 
Ranger Doug from Riders in the Sky and I have been friends since before there was a Riders in the Sky. You know, I was down in Nashville before those guys formed that band. In fact, Two Slim was in my band. He was oh, playing really? bass. Yeah, in my band. And Woody Paul his, was a long-haired hippie, uh, uh, but he was a, a doctorate in uh, nuclear physics. Yeah. And and he was the guy that inspected all these nuke plants in Tennessee, you know, when they had that, uh, uh, you know, the he was the government guy that would inspect all the nuclear power plants wow. in Tennessee. And he had this long hair, you know, and and, and he was wearing uh, Birkenstocks or uh, uh, <laughs> something like that, you know, and he'd show up at one of these nuclear plants and said, I'm the inspector. <laughs> well, anyway, you know, uh, he turned that into a career with Wilma Lee and Stoney uh, Cooper uh, on the Grand Ole Opry. Woody was playing fiddle for them, and Joey wasn't anywhere around. Uh, Joey Miskelin, uh met the writers on when I was cutting one of my albums, uh, it was called Saddle Em Up and Go, and I wanted some accordion on it. And my producer uh, said, listen, I, I know this guy's dynamite. He's playing with Al Yankovic. And uh, yeah. he's dynamite on accordion. And he got in there and played accordion. And they never met in the studio, but I had the writers playing. Uh, they were singing back up, and Slim was playing bass on this album, uh, Saddle Em Up and Go. <clears throat> Pardon me. And uh, they said, hey, who's that on accordion? You know, and so that's how Joy actually got Met with the writers. I was yeah. way back. Uh, this was in the late 80s that uh, they they put him with writers in the sky. But anyway, uh, uh, Doug and I, had been friends for a long time, and Doug came out to do a festival out here someplace, and uh, and I was on that festival, and he said, well, I got my kids with me. You want to ride with us, and we'll just go up and do the festival? I said, sure. So he bought them uh, some, I think they were bow and arrows, you know, those little Indian sets of bow and right. arrows with the rubber tips on the arrows. Right. He, bought, uh, he bought them those, and... Uh, these kids were uh, having Indian Wars in the back seat while Doug and I were <laughs> on the way to this festival, and we were going to write this song, see? So so we'd been trying to write this song and kicking it back and forth, and every once in a while you'd have an arrow whistle past your ear and <laughs> stick on the windshield, you know? And so I think it's the only cowboy song ever written while you were actually under an Indian attack. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, we we wrote this thing, and uh, I recorded it on an album of mine, A Cowboy in Day, and uh, it won a Wrangler Award for the best cowboy song of 1992, I think. And then Doug recorded it on a Riders in the Sky album the next year, and it won another Wrangler Award for the oh, best wow. album of that year, which would have to be 1993, I guess. Yeah. And uh, the only song we know of that's got two Wranglers 
to its credit. But uh, it, it's a wonderful song. We wanted to write it in the vein of the old Sons of the Pioneers. You know, we wanted to have that feel uh, about it. And uh, I, I think we got it done. Uh, I think you, you did. You, yeah. I think you did. Well, let's take a listen to the first Cowboy song. This is Gary McMahon, and we're going to come back and talk more with Gary on the Campfire Cafe. When the wind comes whistling through the pines, the cowboy rides his sleeping herd all through the night. Across the hills, the lonely coyote winds And he's heard this song so many times, he knows most every line With the wind to teach him lonely and the coyotes teach him blue And an eye bird or two to learn the tune He's joining nature's chorus through a thousand lonely nights Till at last he sang his own song to the moon can't have a rainbow without the rain It cleans the air and waters the land And a cowboy doesn't have a song to sing Till his heart is gathered up some sand Follows darkness, sure as snow melts in the spring In his song turns from indigo to rose As he learned the joyful noises of a million little things Down the trail is singing cowboys go It must have been that very song that drove the lady near With a wildflower smile midnight eyes For they spent their years together Wide western sky. You can't have a rainbow without the rain. It cleans the air and waters the land. And a cowboy doesn't have a song to sing. His heart is gathered up some sand. Cowboy song with Gary McMahon, and 
Gary has suddenly disappeared, so I think he'll be calling back in in just a few minutes. But there is absolutely a great poem that he has done. And uh, and I wanted to make sure we got this one in in the show. Because when you go to these gatherings, you're going to hear music, you're going to hear poetry. And this is a great poem uh, and song by Gary. So let's take a listen to Grizzly Bears, and then we'll come back and talk more with Gary in just a minute. On the, he's here. Let me see if we can pick him back up. Gary. Can you hear me? Yeah. I can hear you. You're back. Yeah. yeah. I did. I so, had to call back in. I don't know what went wrong. <laughs> well, that happens. That happens. But we just listened to the first Cowboy song. I uh, had Jack Cannon was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, not performing, but we were talking about a, a, a horse therapy program that he's involved with. But I thought yeah. I heard the Sons of the San Joaquin singing in the background on that one. And you've oh, got yeah, a great story. Sure yeah, you've uh, got a great story. Yeah, they uh, they owed me one. Um, when they were just singing out in Visalia, California, uh, uh, I didn't know about them. They didn't know about me, but we met <laughs> – at the first ever Western Music Association show in Las Vegas that Bill Wiley had put together. Bill Wiley was the uh, uh, manager of the Old Sons of the Pioneers, and he wanted to put together Western Music Association. So this was the first ever meeting of, you know, a bunch of Western guys and they were into the Sons of the Pioneers and, you know, Western music and and uh, I heard this, uh, I call him a kid, it was Lon Hanna, and he was singing there, and he had a voice like an angel. Well, I got to talking to him, and and uh, he gave me a tape. He said, my uncle and my dad, uh, we've got this little group out there, and, and uh, you know, we're always looking to get around and do something. I said, well, uh, you know, let, let me have that tape, and I'll, I'll see, you know, if there's anything I can do. So I forgot about it, and I was running a horse outfit on the front range of the Rockies here, and I was unloading a bunch of hay, and I thought, boy, I need some kind of music, you know, to help me unload this hay. So I right. opened the horse to the pickup, and, and I found this tape under the seat, and it was Sons of the San Joe Quinn. <laughs> and I thought, who in the hell is this, you know? And I uh. So I, I put that in the tape, and before you know it, I had all my hand loaded, and I thought, whoa, wait a minute. These guys, this is, uh, this is uh, you know, generic stuff here. I mean, these guys got the genetics together. This is that blend that you don't hear hardly Unless ever. Unless family, you know? yeah. So I called Lon up. There was a... There was a phone number on the tape and I called him up and he forgot who I was and I had to remind him and I said listen you guys need to get the Elko and he said oh I'd love to get the Elko but my dad and my uncle won't come unless they pay them unless they're getting paid and I said I don't think they quite understand I this is one of the things you need to do you know Um, I said but if you will tell them that they're getting paid, just go ahead and lie to them and tell them they're getting paid. <laughs> and after 24 or 48 hours, I'll fess up and told them that I told you to lie to them. 
but I think they'll get it before that point. And, you know, they got there, and they were on a – I got them on this uh, day show. It was a yodel show with me and Ranger Doug and I think Don Edwards. And, but I got them on that show, and then Hal Cannon saw them, the head of the uh, National Cowboy Poetry Gallery, and put them on the night show that night. And then that's where Michael Martin Murphy saw them, and then eventually they signed them to Warner Brothers and all that stuff. And they'll tell you, you know, they'll tell you this themselves, that they actually owe that to me uh, tricking them into coming in. <laughs> so I, I, they owed me a favor. So when I was recording that album, I was recording it in Escondido, California. And I just, uh, I just pulled in the favor and said, hey, boys, if you said you owe me a favor, so I want you to come down here and sing on this album. And so uh, they did. Bless their heart. They all came down and just jumped right into it. And we had a day or two of just singing away on this album. So it's all Sons of the San Joaquin on that album, A, a Cowboy in Day. Oh, that's great. That is a that is a great story. And I'm sure they're indebted to you for having created that lie. But uh, I remind them of it. You can be better. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I was I was talking about uh grizzly bears and yeah. and and I want to get to this point because I absolutely crack up and I love this and if you go to any of these cowboy poetry gatherings you're going to be hearing some great music and some great poetry but let's take a listen to grizzly bears by Gary McMahon and uh, and I think you're going to like this one as much as I do and we'll come back and talk more with Gary in just a moment on the campfire cafe I had several projects right. to do this year, and, and uh, so I thought, you know, I mean, they use me uh, on these pack trips. People that take pack trips know that after about the second night, you get all talked out around the campfire, and as my dear old daddy used to say, a little personality helps even in a whorehouse, you know, and so... Well, they hire me to go along and do these deals, you know, and I sing and uh, recite poems around the campfire and stuff, ride along with them, yodel up the canyons, that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I was thinking, since I had about seven of them to do, I thought, you know, I need a new campfire song. And, there, and there's three topics that always come up around a campfire, that always talk about them. That's bears, rattlesnakes, and women. Not necessarily in that order, but... I thought if I could write a song about any one of those three, I'd have me a new campfire song ready to go. And about that time, I fortuitously got this pamphlet from the Montana Department of Game and Fish telling you what to do in the event you were attacked by a grizzly bear. Now, I don't have the talent to write that level of humor, so I just stole their pamphlet and put it into this song. And it's called, it's called Talking Grizzly Bear Blues. In light of the rising frequency of human grizzly bear hostilities, the Department of Game and Fish reminds us we ought 
Venture into the backcountry without first taking extra precaution. They advise that all outdoorsmen wear little bells hung in their clothes or hair, for they say you must first beware not to startle an unsuspecting bear. Reckon they want the bear to be good and ready for you when you get there. They also recommend pepper spray, so in the event of an encounter, you can repel a bear in a kinder, gentler, non-lethal way. Unless, of course, you're spraying into the wind, which will leave you blind in seconds, and that just makes the old bear grin, he likes them easy pickings. They say to know where bears are at, you need to identify a bear scout. If you run in a pile of berries and squirrel hair, have no fear, sir. That's a black bear. The grizzly scout will scare you, make you a fast stepper, because it's full of little bells and it smells like pepper. He's a grizz is what he is, is ain't no any the poo. He'll tear your limbs from limb and then he'll eat you. So what are you gonna do? If you do have an encounter in the outback and you and your companion comes under attack, take heart, sir. Don't need to outrun the bear, you merely have to outrun your partner. They say if you are charged, don't run, stay calm, talking soft monotones. Maybe recite the 23rd song. Me, I might manage a little grin. Then poop myself till my head caved in and my whole deal would blow right out my sphincter and I'd be dead before the bear could even get there. If you study the facts, you become aware that the game of fish is rooting for the bears. <laughs> But if you do follow these guidelines, which are admittedly not without hazard, you'll be substantially contributing to the well-being of the species. Or you could just shoot the bastard. He's a grizz, what he is, is ain't no any the poo. He'll tail him for him and it'll eat you. What are you going to do? <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you. I love <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, Grizzly Bears, and, and by yeah. the way, that is from the CD. Uh, I would that. Live in Elko, Nevada. And so... <laughs> I don't know how you fathered that one, Gary. I don't know how you fathered that one. Uh, 
of following uh, that is great. Well, let's talk a little bit about everything in the song is true because you'll be showing this at Elko, but but yeah. tell us about tell us about this. Well, uh it started out uh I was uh singing for a bunch of New Mexico cowboys and uh this trail ride started on the old Bell Ranch down at Solano, New Mexico, and then after they sold the Bell uh, the guys didn't want it to die, so it moved up to Chama, and a guy by the name of Jerry Petersfield, it's the Peters Art Gallery in uh, Santa Fe, uh, he and a bunch of guys got together and bought this ranch, and I really think, to begin with, it was so they could keep doing these trail rides. Uh-huh. But it, it's a bunch of New Mexico cowboys and a bunch of Santa Fe businessmen, and they all get together every year, and, you know, just... Uh, enjoy the campfires with one another and and ride through pretty country and and uh they've been doing it for 30 years probably and they invited this guy along and his name was tony mark and tony mark is a big time california movie producer uh he produced uh things uh things that you would know like the hurt locker right you know that the Academy Award for the best movie of the year and stuff like that. Tony's big time. But anyway, he was sitting there with a guy by the name of Doug Morioni, who was friends with some friends in Santa Fe. And Doug was a uh, uh, director and producer out in New York City. And they were sitting there together, and... Tony says, what's with this? Uh, you know, look at that old booger up there. Uh, you know, he's got all these guys captivated because er, whenever I sing, you know, they want to hear this one. They want to hear the grizzly bears. They want to hear this right. or that. And then they shush everybody up because they want to hear it, you know. It's their only time of year to hear me live. So they right. shush everybody up. And he said, look at all these crusty old cowboys, and they're just hanging on it, on every word this guy's saying how can that be? And and Tony says, somebody ought to make a movie about this guy. And so Doug approached me with that idea, and I said, look, I've seen these movie documentaries uh, before. And he said, I said, you know, I think I would get bored with me after the first 30 minutes, but I've got some <laughs> friends you might want to meet. And so I, uh, we started talking about this. And I've got a trick roper friend of mine out in Lubbock, Texas. He's just a fabulous trick roper and a horseshoer and an all-around cowboy kind of character, you know, and I love him to death. His name is Bryce Chapman. And so I introduced Bryce uh, to Doug and then an old rancher by the name of Jeff Nurse. Same thing. He's just the cowboy's cowboy, you know, and... Then Yvonne Hollenbeck, who was a cowgirl poet who's married to Glenn Hollenbeck uh, out of South Dakota, you know, and she's just another sweetheart and a real dear friend of mine. And an old boy by the name of John Moore, who is a guitar picker who used to play with Byron Berline out in that uh, band California, uh, in, in California, and then... He's actually a Colorado boy. He moved to Doug Creek, and he's one of the best guitar pickers uh, I've ever heard, guitar and mandolin pickers. And so I introduced Doug to all these guys, and I said, look, uh, 
you know, they wouldn't let you on a place unless I called them and told them that you were coming. And so if I give you a fishing license, you can't put words in these guys' mouths. They're already living great lives. All you got to do is film it as they go by, but you can't put them in made-up scenarios. I said, right. this is all going to happen right in front of you and just trust it. It will happen. And he was a little bit dubious about that, but I said, if I'm going to give you a fishing license to go film my friends, you know, uh, that's the deal. Uh, right. You, you have there's none going to be none of this. Will they find the cows? We'll be right back after these messages. None of that right. stuff. And uh, so he did it. Uh, bless his heart. He did it uh, true, and he followed us around all of us for two years. And then he had sixteen hundred hours of film, and he boiled it all down into an eighty-minute film. And uh, the the film's just been doing great. It makes these rabid fans, you know, because it's it's not really pretentious. It's it's not trying to do anything. It's just showing you the way uh, these lifestyles are. You know, he just filmed this as while we were doing our thing, and yeah. uh, well, people that love the film are just rabid about it. They got to have it, and then they show it to all their friends, and then they think they ought to be shown in the schools and. And on and on. So you know, I uh, I'm very proud of it. I'm, the one thing I will say is there's not a m- second in that film that makes me wince. And uh, oh, that's, that's great. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable that way. But uh, you can get it on iTunes or Amazon or anything like that. But they are showing it in Elko three times uh, during the National Cowboy Poetry Gathering. And Yvonne and I will be there for a question and answer period uh, after the film's uh, uh, showing it. So, uh, you know, it ought to be a great time in Elko. It ought to be. It ought to be. And Yvonne will be with you at Golden, I think, as well this next week. Yes, she will. Yeah. Yeah. And we've already uh, shown the film at the Colorado Cowboy Poetry Gathering, you know, and uh, uh, very well received and that kind of stuff, but uh, Yvonne's always a kick. You know, she's great, no matter where she is. Oh, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. Well, I'm going to have to get a chance to, I guess I'll have to order mine so I can take a look at the film. I've seen clips, and they are fantastic, so look forward to that. And folks can see it in Elko if they are fortunate enough to make that and can visit with Gary and with Yvonne about the film itself. But, Gary, you have been an absolutely great guest today. We we never have enough time because you're just a plethora, I, I guess that's a good word, of stories and history and uh, love having you with us. But tell us where people can find your music. Where can they get their own copies of this music? Well, uh, uh, you can get them through CD Baby, and you can okay. either uh, stream them or download them uh I'm on Spotify and all that. Or you can go to my website, which is uh, singingcowboy.com, and that will tell you everything I want you to know about. (laughs) I love that. So visit singingcowboy.com, and you can find everything that Gary wants you to know about him right there, as well as as order his music uh, from that site as well so gary so much fun having you on the show and uh we're going to close or, things or you, out 
Go ahead. You, you can talk to my wife and find out everything I don't want you to know about. <laughs> <laughs> we may have to do that next time. We may have to do that next time. Here's a song that uh, has been recorded by everybody that's anybody. And uh, it, it's a great song called The Old Double Diamond. This one is from the Live in Elko CD as well. And uh, you'll enjoy this. But I, I, I guess this song has made you enough money to pay for the ranch a few times over, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. You know, uh, the songs are like your kids. You love them all, but most of them stay at home and never do nothing. You know, but <laughs> every once in a while, there's one that gets up off the couch and runs out the door and starts uh, making you proud and sending checks back to dear old dad. And this was sure one of them. Oh, uh, gosh. Let's take a listen to the old Double Diamond. It's from his Live in Elko CD. And, Gary, look forward to having you back again with us, my friend. Oh, anytime, Gary. You are such a great interviewer. I'll do that in a heartbeat. Well, I appreciate you so much. The old Double Diamond, Gary McMahon. This is not a hygiene problem. I'm just digging around for a guitar pick. There we go. There we are. The, the songs and poems you write, you know, they're like your kids. You love them all, but most of them stay at home and never do nothing, you know. But every once in a while, one of them will get up and run out the door, and before long, he's out there making you proud and sending checks back to dear old dad. And this is one of them. Chris Ledoux first cut this song back in the 70s. I think I wrote it in 1974. And then Ian Tyson cut it uh, long before the first Cowboy Poetry Gathering, and it just kind of took off when the Poetry Gathering hit, and it's been done by 60 or so good cowboy and cowgirl singers and a lot of around the campfire. And in my estimation, that's what I call a hit. But uh, it's a true story about a ranch in Wyoming. Now the old double diamond lay out east to do boss in the land of the buffalo. And the auctioneer's gavel rap and it rattled as once the old double diamond go. And won't you listen to the wind, Mother Nature? Battle with the mountains and cattle 
claim to bring out the best in a man. I guess the sailor needs an ocean and a mama for babies to hold. And I need the hills of Wyoming in the land of Buffalo. Selling out, and I'm moving on, but I'm living with more than I came. Cause I got this saddle, and it ain't the same. And I got this song to sing. I got a new range to find, a new knots to tie in a country. Cowboys are king. I turn the tail to the wind, and the old double diamond disappeared into the sea. So much fun talking with Gary McMahon today, and that was his great song, The Old Double Diamond, from the CD Live in Elko. And it is time now for Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. When we come back, we're going to be talking with our good friend, the trailmeister, Mr. Robert Eversole. But first, let's take a listen to a brand new song from Miss Trinity Seeley. It is from her much-anticipated CD, Camp to Camp. And when we come back, we'll be talking with Robert on Saddle Up America.
Montana Wind, Miss Trinity Seeley and Robert. I am ready for winter to end. How about you, my friend? Uh, seeing that it's 40 degrees and kind of foggy, rainy here, I am ready for the same. I don't think we get to make a choice in that matter. No, we get what we get. You know, it was two days ago, <laughs> 71 degrees here in Nashville, and today it is a balmy 34 that feels like 28. So, oh quite an my. adjustment. Yeah, quite an adjustment. I for believe us. it. Had, but you're inside yeah. in, the, in the studio where it's nice and warm, and you got a nice cup of coffee with you. I'm outside Absolutely. sitting saddles. Here's, <laughs> see if everybody can you hear this? Can you hear the I rain? Can, I, I can hear that. I can hear that. Yeah, dripping off the barn roof. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, it's not snow, though. Not snow. It's not, and I don't have to shovel rain, so I should be very, very <laughs> thankful for that. Uh, but, you know, it's 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 winter. It's 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 what happens here in six it months does. when we haven't had rain in, in, in three months, and... Uh, and it's 100 degrees, I'll look back on this fondly. <laughs> you know, I was talking with Gary uh, before we started the show a while ago, and in Colorado, uh, they get a lot of the spring snows that provides water for them. What, what about you guys? Mm-hmm. Do you get a lot of snow in the spring? Uh, you know, it, it, it varies. Uh, you know, snowpack is is all about you know, what keeps everything going through the summer months and, um, you know, where the rain just runs off, the snow is what we count on to meter it out for both water and fire prevention. Um, And from what I've gathered, the the high country is is getting its share uh, of snow. It's not like down here. We're really here, here in the low area down the valleys, We've gotten more more rain and, and ice than snow this year. We're real low on snow, but up yeah. high, we're and that's where we really count on. I, I think that they've got normal snowfall. So, you know, but as far as as when, I don't know. I mean, heavens, it starts snowing in September. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Well, it's all different in different parts of the country. Um, I was talking with someone the other day, and they. They said on the news last week that in Tennessee we had our 15th wettest season in 2018. Oh we had 75 inches of rain. 75 that inches of like rain. That sounds like Seattle. Yeah, yeah. And and the person that I was talking with was in New Mexico, and they said, good Lord, we don't get seven inches of rain in a year where we are. No so, kidding. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of spread yeah. that out a little. But uh, so we were in that song. Trinity's talking about the grass is getting green or getting green, and we back on our horses again and and uh, hurry up and blow out this winter weather. So you're yeah. working on saddle fitting in the barn. Is that one of your things that you do getting ready for spring? Well, not not every year, but you know, Ruger Ruger needs his own. His own rig, since I guess I'm yeah. going to keep him. And uh, so I had Tom from Skeeto out. Uh, he works a lot with Terry from uh, Three Bells Mules, you know, working on, on, on saddles. You know, I have the, the Trailmeister line of saddles with Three Bells. 
and right. uh, we needed to get one made to fit Ruger's back, not not to fit LT's and almost fit. So right. so we've been kind of working on that, you know, you know, doesn't have a bad back, but just you know, it's unique like everyone. So we're trying to figure out what what type tree is going to be best. You know, it's because it's all in the tree. You know, that infrastructure of the, of the rig. And uh, trying to figure out what's going to work best uh, to throw some leather and stirrups on. So working through that, and I think he's about done. (laughs) Ruger, that is. He's been standing out here in in the rain and the mist, you know, being very patient for about three hours now. So I I think he's about ready to say, hey, get it together. Yeah, enough (laughs) enough. call it done. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Is Ruger Ruger high withered or low withered or just kind of flat withered? What's what's the deal with him? Uh he's he's got withers but not much. He's he's a mule. You know, so what what I would I I'd say for a mule he's got pretty good withers, but that's not saying a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really rely on that on that britchin <laughs> to keep that yeah. saddle in place with him. Yeah. So but uh, but yeah, so he, he's he's been very good. I've been, but he hasn't. My my 15 minutes a day is has has paid off for today. Well, good. That is good to know. Well, talk to us a little bit about saddle fitting. Talk to it's us a little important. bit about the Trailmeister <laughs> line of saddles as well. Oh yeah, well I uh, Terry's been making a Trailmeister line of rigs for I guess about five years now. And it all started uh, at the Klamath uh, Wilderness Skills Clinic, where I've been a uh, clinician for, heavens, a long time. And Terry came up to me, and he said, the Strelmeister thing seems to be pretty popular. What if I made a line of saddles, you know, with your name on them? And I said, well, that would be great, but it's got to be my most favorite saddle for you to put my name on it. And he he looked at me like an old cowboy does and said, I can do that. What do you ride now? And then, Gary, I made a 70-year-old man spit. I told him I rode a, an Australian or a dressage rig, alternately. Oh, geez. He was expecting to hear, a, you know, I ride some type of Western rig, and I didn't. Right, and, right. Uh, so that's where we came up with the uh, kind of a, a crossover which is what the Trailmeister is. It's kind of a, it's a western tree on uh, kind of a uh, an Australian look saddle, which is what I like. Uh, I like the high cantles, you know, for mountain riding. I like the light weight. Uh, and, you know, I like those pulleys, which are really just the Australian flavor of uh, bucking rolls. Um, okay. So, so, yeah, so you've been making that for, I don't know, little while now and I like them a lot but like I said uh, but but almost fits isn't quite good enough because my, my trousers would probably almost fit you but you wouldn't want to wear them either so. <laughs> uh, that's true are all of your saddles customized to uh, to the particular horse or mule they are. I'm, I don't really believe in off-the-rack saddles. I think off-the-rack saddles are great, and they'll fit somebody. Uh-huh. Um, chances of it fitting my guys or or any individual are fairly slim, and I don't really like the idea of padding up uh, to, to make it fit. 
I don't think a saddle should be an exact fit necessarily, but I try to get that, you know, that 85-90% mark uh, and then fix the rest of that with 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 pads uh, because, you know, I don't wear the same size trousers in the winter as I do in the summer, and it's <laughs> going to be the same for our animals, you know, so that bit of difference I can make up with in a pad, but if it's, you know, a saddle that was looked really good on the rack, you know, chances of, of it fitting, you know, the, the beast back is, is, is pretty slim. And I'm, I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a, I'm not a saddle fitter necessarily. You know what I mean? So I right. really rely on experts for that kind of thing. And when I can have both my pad maker and the saddle maker working together to get the saddle to fit my animals back and then my butt in that order, then I think that's a pretty powerful, powerful thing. Well, it is. So can you share with us a little bit about what the uh, saddle fitting process is like? Sure. As best as a layman can do it. Uh, okay. it's, it's magic. <laughs> <laughs> you so, call the right guy and that's it. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so the way Terry does his saddle fittings is he's got a, a couple different tools and the first is, I call it the spider, and I'm sure that's the wrong word for it. I'm sure Sir Terry is cringing as we speak, but it's this articulated device that goes down the, the, the back of your, on, on, on the mule's back, and it has all these articulated arms going off the side. So you could really see, you know, the arch of the back and then, then the rafter on the sides, you know, from, okay. the, from, from the scapula. To the back, and so that really gives you a way to quantify all those measurements. Um, it's, I, I think, a lot of people that have done the uh, putting wire and kind of shaping it to the size of the back, and then making the tracings. Mm-hmm. It's doing that, but doing that in a more scientific manner, um, because you have all these angles and measurements, you know, from each of these arms that you can, um, you know. It's it's a lot more precise than the than the electrical wire over their shoulder type deal. Right. Um, so that's the first part of the process, and then with those uh, figures, Terry sends a giant old box of these fiberglass saddle forms, and because there's so many different trees available. Um, and not just the trees, because the trees, you know, encompass the rock and and, and all that good stuff, uh, but also the widths of the trees. So, right. so he sends a big box based upon what he thinks will, will most likely fit. And then I, you put all those trees on, on their back and take a lot of pictures, and then Terry sends, sends them back and says, you took this wrong, take it again. Uh, <laughs> And and based upon all of that, Terry then decides what tree is best suited for your animal's back. Oh, and I forgot, we you, we do that naked, and then we do it with a half-inch pad. Okay. Uh, and it's amazing the, the difference just a half-inch pad will make in uh, a tree fitting or not fitting. The For example, the tree that... He is using now uh, an AW tree, 
which means absolutely nothing to me, um, is the the tree that's in in the saddle I have now. And naked, that was a pretty darn nice fit. You put a half-inch pad underneath it, and it completely blows it out, uh, which I thought was just terribly interesting. Um, And so, you know, it's kind of looking through all, all of those different trees, both with and without the pad, and, mm-hmm. you know, seeing if they're bridging or are they pinching, you know, do they have too much rock, not enough rock? Are they digging into the, the, the shoulder? Are they digging into the butt? Um, you know, it's just a whole lot of, well, let's put, it's like when you go to the optometrist, A or B, B or mm-hmm. C. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go go back so, to B or go back to C. Yeah, I've got to figure this out yeah exactly so it's a whole bunch of that and it's terribly time consuming but if you want something that's going to be comfortable for for everybody um i think you i think you kind of have to go through that process and like i said i've i've tried off the off the rack saddles because i thought they looked good and i think that'll fit and you know once in a while they do, and most often it's, it's well, I think I can put a pad on that and it'll be fine. Right. <laughs> we know how, right. how far that goes. <laughs> right, right. So if I wanted a Trailmeister saddle, how would I go about getting one? Uh, you get a hold of Terry at Three Bells Mules, so you could just go to uh, threebellsmules.com, uh, and he's on the Facebook too. Okay. Um, and he's got a, a number of different saddles. It's not just you know, the Trailmeister, but he's he's been making saddles for heavens a long, long time. And I really I really trust his judgment in 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 the saddles as well as in the fit. I, I think a lot of times um you get one or the other. With Terry you get it both. Okay. Okay. Is he is he uh, located in Washington? <clears throat> Negative. Me. He is in He's he's one of the smart ones. He's in Arizona or New Mexico. He's where it's warm. <laughs> if you're in the right spot, that that would be the case. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 So no, he's he's down south, and and that's the the beauty of the forms that he mails to you, and and you know taking all the pictures, and you know with a trained eye, which which Terry has, you can really you know, kind of see what what's going on. So with each each of the trees, heavens, I took a a profile picture, a front quarter, a back quarter, a looking straight up, you know, from the rear, um, you know, and all this other stuff. So, you know, it even went at one point I took a piece of electrical tape and put it right on the edge of his scapula because he is pretty furred up right now. <laughs> and, uh, right. Right. <laughs> you know, so we had that that mark uh, as as a reference point. Uh, so, but sending all those pictures back and forth, and then the, getting Terry on on the uh, on the text or or the Facebook thing, where you can talk to somebody and have them show right, the pictures right. and doing something, you know. Right. And and usually it was Terry telling me, no, put it up further. No, put it back further. No, you messed up the picture again, Robert. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, you know, he's oh, all gosh. about, you know, making that fit. And then to have Tom from Saddle Pads here, you know, 
to have those two work together. I mean that 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 was that was that was something. That's pretty so cool. I, I That's think we cool. settled in on the on the B E plus one half. And huh. and so E tree, which again, you might as well call it the rosebud tree. Right, right. That the the tree with the right raft and uh and and, and rafters and, and angles and stuff. But the the one half or the plus and the minus, that's where they talk about the width of the tree. And I never thought about widths of trees. But, you know, you've got that gullet that goes right down their back. And if that tree is too narrow, well, that's sitting right on that spine. It's not giving them that relief. And if it's too wide, well, then you just got so much slop. Right. That's right. And uh, so Ruger needed because he's a big boy, he need, needed the plus one half. And for me, I could see if you put both trees together and I was just looking at the trees, I could not tell the difference between one or the other. They, they looked identical to me. Wow. But on, on his back, that half inch made all the difference in the world. Even I could see the difference. So it, wow. it was, it's something how much impact just a tiny change can have Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now because you know for many of us we're into the winter months we're not doing as much riding if we were if we were looking for a new saddle for the spring uh how long is the time to do it (laughs) yeah yeah how how long does it take for a saddle to be made and and back to you uh you're looking at at a couple couple few months Okay. Uh, right. I I don't anticipate this saddle to be back to me before May first of June. Okay. Um, it's going to be a little while, but again, if, I'm sure Terry could make it or have it made um, quicker for me mm-hmm. if I had to have it. But you oh, know, right. the clinic season. My first clinic is next weekend, and then I'm jetting back and forth across the nation until the end of Ju- or until the beginning of June. Wow. So, wow. so you know, well, if you're I, interested I try to be in a, good in, yes. Yeah. If you're interested in a saddle, now's the time to, uh, to get that into the work so that you'd have a saddle back for you in time for, uh, the right trail in riding season. in the spring. So, Hey, I want to take yeah. a quick break. Uh, we're going to do a song by Mr. Bryn Hill. It's a great song called The Mountain is My Mistress. I think that's kind of appropriate for many of our trail riders. And then come back and talk more with Mr. Robert Eversole. And since you brought up the um, seminar season approaching, we may want to talk a little bit about where you're headed. So we'll be back back on Saddle Up America with Mr. Robert the Trailmeister Eversole. I could see the longing look in your eyes This morning when I kissed you all goodbye And I know you won't need me here at home And you wonder why I leave you all alone The mountain is my mistress, she'll always come. 
special guest on Saddle Up America, Mr. Robert Eversole. And Robert, you were just talking about the uh, exhibition season and the seminar season getting cranked up. Where are you headed, my friend? Well, uh, next weekend, uh, I'll be the first clinic of the year. It'll be in uh, eastern Washington, Deer Park with Backcountry Horsemen. So that'll be a, a, a good thing. And from there, it just kind of keeps keeps rolling. Immediately after that, I get to go over to uh, Seattle for for the following weekend, and we'll be there on the east side of Seattle uh, all weekend. I think we've got eight or nine clinics scheduled for the weekend. So talking wow. about uh, trail riding and camping with livestock. So it's going to get busy real quick. I am very excited to, to say that uh, all the clinics for this year are, are being presented uh, – 
along with uh, the Backcountry Horsemen of America. So that's kind of a, of a nifty thing. We're all working together to get more people out on those trails. That is great. That is great. Uh, actually, I shared a post that you had done maybe last month or so about uh, reasons to join Backcountry Horsemen of America. And, oh. of course, of course, you always include food. Talking about well, reasons, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but what can folks what can folks look for at your at your clinics? What type of information well, are they going to get? They're going to get a lot of information, uh, a lot of safety related information. That's kind of my thing. Uh, even though I am a, uh, a I, I teach equitation to children and adults, um, we talk more about safety. Uh, it's not about how to be your, your your horse's best friend, but rather how to get out and enjoy them in a safe manner on the trails and in camp. So right. everything from how to make sure we get back to camp in time for dinner with land navigation, because if you're using your cell phone, well, you're going to be late. And if you're using a GPS, you're going to be late, because sooner or, better, or later those batteries will fail. So we'll talk <laughs> about how to use a real map and compass. Um, we'll also talk about, you know, a lot of the things that, that I've done wrong in the past, you know, so that, that you don't have to, everything from not paying attention to, you know, not packing the right, right gear. Uh, I like to, to say that my clinics are all from, uh, my bad experiences, so you don't have to have them. There you go. Um, are doing that. One of the uh, the new clinics for the year is uh, preparing your backcountry brain. So we're going to talk about all the things that we need to do to prepare for a backcountry trip. You know those trips, you know those places that we like to uh, to visit on, on those day rides away from the trailhead. You know, ten fifteen miles in, um, right. where we all, always say, "Well, I'd like to stay here for a little while." Well, you can. And we're going to talk about ways to get us and our animals back in those backcountry locations without perhaps, you know, the, the full run pack string, you know, how, how to do it. We'll talk about how to, how to run the pack string as well, but it's not the focus. It's, the focus is helping people get back to see the places they want to see with their animals. Right, right. That is, that is pretty cool. Well, eventually I'm going to catch one of your clinics when you're closer to Nashville, Tennessee. Maybe maybe next year before I do. But uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I, I'm, I'm having a great time with this, so I hope it. I hope they keep having me back. <laughs> yeah. So I was I was thinking this morning about the fact that we have an audience that is worldwide. And uh, and sometimes I have to go to a map and try to find places that are listening to the show. I would think that trail riding would be the same wherever you are. The terrain may be different, and some of the conditions may be different, but uh, but the basic things are pretty much the same everywhere. Have you done any clinics, or have you considered doing some clinics uh, outside of the United States? Um, I have not done any clinics at this point outside the U.S. I'd love to have the opportunity to do some. Uh, it just hasn't come up yet. And, you know, I try to, well, I try to get out and ride as much as I can myself. <laughs> and with, with expo season in the U.S. running, you know, through the winter months, 
um, you know, when I can't get out a whole lot. Anyway, that makes it great. If, if I were to go to, say, Australia, you know, their their clinic season is during my Not writing kind of season. Right, right. And as much as I love their accents, I'd much rather be in my mountains <laughs> than talking about and them. There's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just curious, you know, because we we I mean, I I was out out well, Albania the other day. I, I noticed that they're listening to us in Albania, and I had to do ah. a little bit of research because I wasn't that familiar. But they have quite a horse culture in Albania. Ah, I betcha. And yeah, yeah, you know, and Germany too. Germany and and uh, all the Nordic countries and uh, uh, you know. Wherever in the world that you are, Brazil or South Africa, listening to the show, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're all horse people. Israel, um, right right there. And um, so the tips that you give and share with us are tips that we can use anywhere in the world that we are. And maybe just a few changes, depending upon what your climate is and what your terrain is. But some exactly. Great, great. At the end of the day, it's it's the trail and the dirt and you and your animal, you know, and you can move that any place. But a yeah, a map and compass are going to work the same way regardless of where you go. And you know, the the laws of physics don't change, you know, depending upon your passport. <laughs> so, by the way, how are you doing from your wreck? Uh, what was that? A year ago. Uh, a little over a year now. Uh, it's a lot better. You know, last year was it, it pained me to not not get out and, and and do the packing. You know, we we built the trailer, which was great, a lot of fun, learned a lot. Uh, right. Went on on a fair number of trailhead trips, but it just, the arm wasn't working well enough to to do the packing. But now it is. Um, I think at least I've got I've got four four pack trips scheduled for this year so it better be ready <laughs> you'll find out won't you i will um yeah we're going to be going into uh wilderness areas uh in washington oregon and montana and uh spending uh the shortest trip is five days the longest is seven so wow I, I either it will be ready or at the end it will be much better <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so Ellie's uh, going to get the pack saddle on, and and Ruger's going to really, really be using that new saddle. So that is, that is cool. That is too cool. Well, those should be exciting trips, and um, I think Bobby Bell just really enjoyed the uh, the camping uh, experience that you shared with us a few months ago, and I think that was in was that Washington or Oregon where you were. Almost on another planet, riding through. Oh, oh, yep, yep. That was uh, Oregon, Central Oregon, uh, outside of Bend, in the Three Sisters area. Uh, Quinn, Quinn, Quinn Meadow is the name mm-hmm. of the horse camp, um, mm-hmm. and it's parts of it. You're riding through all these lava flows. It's like you're riding on the moon. It's pretty nifty. And well, that's actually where a lot of the astronauts train for the yeah. lunar missions. Yeah, yeah. She loved that show, and she loved being here with us. Then uh, she's well, traveling. She's, 
she's on her way to Denver right now for uh, the stock show and some other events that are taking place, so she's not with us today. Uh, where in the United States have you not ridden that is on your bucket list? Where I have not ridden? Mm-hmm. Well, I would dearly love to come come east. I would love to ride Tennessee, North and South Carolina. I think okay. that would just be the berries. Um, yeah. Driven through, driven through a lot, but have never ridden there. Wow. Well, never been to the Big South Fork here in Tennessee? Nope. Heard a lot about wow. it. Talked with a lot of people about it um, there at the Southeastern Clinic in Murfreesboro, but have never been there. Yeah. Great place to ride. I think my favorite place to get out and ride is probably up in the Big South Fork. And uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of so places. Much, a lot of places to ride. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll just have to plan a trip back here to the eastern part of the United States and get back up into Tennessee and the, and the Carolinas and, and maybe up into uh, North Carolina and some different places to ride. So yep. the website is trailmeister.com. It is the world's largest trail system information. What? What? Yeah, uh, largest uh, guide or directory to horse trails and horse camps across the U.S., Everything right. from printed trail maps to, in a lot of cases, people have uploaded their GPS tracks to the trail. So you can see, you know, where other people have ridden, pictures uh, of both the trailhead and and the trails, uh, links to the land manager so you can find out kind of what the, what the scoop is. You know, are areas yeah. open? Are they being restricted? You know, that kind of thing. Uh it's all the stuff that I want to know before I load up the trailer. <laughs> what what oh. do I have to expect? Right. What everybody wants to know before they load up the trailer. And I know a lot exactly. of people are, are making their plans right now to travel to different parts of the country and to ride mm-hmm. some of their bucket list trails and uh, locations across the U.S. as well as Canada. So uh, check out his website. He's got some great tips. He's got great video. It's it's a great website, Robert. You've done a good ah, job with thanks. it. It's coming together yeah. with, the, with the winter season. And, you know, even though it's 40 and kind of rainy now and we're light on snow, we're, you know, I've got a well, here off of the uh, barn roof, I've got a you know, where it slides off, we've probably got three or four feet. Usually it's almost to the top from the snow sliding off the middle <laughs> roof. So we're still kind of kind of snowed in. So I've been doing some cooking lately. You know, the camp cooking has always been my weak point. So I'm trying to rectify that. Well, next time we probably need to get into some of the campfire cooking and some, some tips that you've got for that as well. There so, we go. Anyway, this has been a fun show. You can check out his website, trailmeister.com. Follow him on Facebook. And uh, always a great time to talk with our good friend, Mr. Robert, the Trailmeister Eversole. Robert, thanks for being with us today. It's a joy as always. And um, everybody have a fabulous month. Stay safe. Stay on the trails if you can. And I'm going to head in and get warm. All right. By the way, did you have a good new year? Did you have a good new year? Good Christmas. A wonderful New Year. Yes. The holiday season was fabulous. Um, 
nice and low key. We did not go east this year. We stayed out here with the critters. And it was just uh very very pleasant. Well always, that is great. It's good to be around loved ones. Always great to do that, but uh, sometimes it's nice to just wind down and not have to go traveling. So, that's want true. to wish you. Uh, I meant to do this when we first started the show, and I forgot it. But uh, but just want to wish you and Celeste both a happy new year, and uh, may all of your trails be best. So anyway, look forward to talking to you next time, my friend. All right, take care. All right, thanks, Robert. Ah, bye-bye. Always, always, always fun to talk with Robert, the Trailmeister Eversoul. And uh, if you're interested in one of those saddles, be sure and check him out. And uh, you may be able to get one of your own custom-built saddles as well. Big time talking with our friend, Mr. Gary McMahon, in the Campfire Cafe this morning. And uh, such a talented guy and so, so many stories that he can share. Next week is going to be a rather special show. We're going to be talking about Elko, the National Cowboy Poetry Gathering that is taking place in Elko, Nevada. They just need to call it Elko. Everybody refers to it as Elko, but it's the granddaddy going on 35 years, and that's taking place January the 28th through February the 2nd. We have some absolutely fabulous performers that are going to be joining us for that show. We'll be joined by Mr. Andy Hedges. Uh, Mr. Ryan Fritz will be joining us from Canada. And uh, then Deanna Dickinson McCall from New Mexico. Andy is from Texas. So this is going to be a broad stretch of the country that we're going to be covering. And all of these folks are gathering together in Elko, Nevada, for the National Cowboy Poetry Gathering. So we're going to be sharing music and poetry and a lot of great fun next week on an expanded edition of the Campfire Cafe. We want to thank you for listening to the show. We want to remind you, as we always do, if you climb in the saddle, get ready for the ride on Equestrian Legacy Radio, heard around the world, streaming live, online, and on demand at equestrianlegacy.net. So we're going to close out this week's show with a great song by Miss Carolyn Martin. It's one called Wild West Texas Wind. Thanks for joining us. It sings to me in the night with a voice sweet and forlorn. It's been
It's the strength that's deep inside you When fear is closing in This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon.